Promotional consideration brought to you by New Amsterdam. Imagine a world where creatives always have a key to the city. New Amsterdam makes high-quality notebooks with creative people in mind. That's K-N-E-W-Amsterdam.com. Use promo code NEWDAY and receive free shipping off your first order. NewAmsterdam.com. Welcome, citizen. We have a weird homicide. Follow me. Did you have any choice? You'll all follow me. Tonight, on an all-new OK Talk. I'm Housing News. I'm a historical journalist. I uh, write about kind of the darker side of life, and I also um, give historical tours in the L.A. area. In a scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religious rite, five persons, including actress Sharon Tate, were found dead at the home of Miss Tate and her husband, screen director Roman Polyansky. Miss Tate, who starred in Valley of the Dolls, was eight months pregnant and was found in a bikini-type nightgown with a rope around her neck attached to the body of a man. Among the other victims were Hollywood hairstylist Jay Sebring and coffee heiress Abigail Folger. Actually, on Halloween this year, there was a kid dressed like Manson, like, standing in Los Feliz, staring at cars as they went by, and it fucking terrified me. Oh, really? Because he looked so much like him. That's intense. One officer summed up the murders when he said, In all my years, I have never seen anything like this before. You don't understand me. That's your trouble. What do you want to call me a murderer for? I've never killed anyone. I don't need to kill anyone. I think it. I have it here. While the police admitted they had no suspects in the Bel Air massacre, there were two more murders 15 miles away in the Silver Lake section of Los Angeles. Market owner Leo LaBianca and his wife Rosemary were found by their children stabbed and mutilated. The word war was carved into LaBianca's chest and death to pigs was smeared in the blood of one of the victims. I don't need to live in this physical realm. I walk around in the physical realm and I put on the faces and I talk and I play and hang yeah, It's this big act, man. In the spiritual world is where I live. I exist in places you never even dreamed of. A wandering band of members of a so-called religious cult with a leader they call Jesus has had three of its followers arrested in the investigation of the murder of Sharon Tate and six others. Vaughn Ranch, which is near L.A. outside of Chatsworth, where they lived when they were doing murders, is literally the scariest place I've ever trespassed on in L.A. This is where they lived, among the stables, barns, and phony buildings of an old rundown movie location 20 miles from Los Angeles. They called themselves The Family. Well, God, I guess you're my best friend, being I invented you. You believe in God's heart? Sure, I believe in myself. Why wouldn't I? <laughs> Which one? Are you Jesus Christ? Which, which Jesus? There's all kinds of Jesus. There's a black Jesus down in Florida. He's having a good time. There's a Mexican Jesus in Mexico. I mean, there's all kinds of Jesus. Jewish Jesus. I mean, Jesus, you know. There's all kinds of Jesus coming back everywhere. And nothing can stop it. It's a consciousness that lives in your mind. A grim investigation is unfolding in a downtown L.A. hotel. The body of a young woman was found in a water tank. 
The body is at the bottom, six feet down. Three quarters of the tank is full. The roof is secured with an alarm and a lock and a key to the door access. We just saw firefighters pull the body out of the water tank. Have you spent the night at the Cecil Hotel? Hell no. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Hadley. This is Matt at OK Talk. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I appreciate you uh, waiting on us a little bit. We had to get our all our stuff in order. Oh, no worries. Clint is just <laughs> getting Clint is getting his coffee ready, so he he'll be there oh, okay. and, and good. be here in just a moment. Oh, Sorry, yeah, that was me you. way off mic. What's up? <laughs> What's up? Hello. Hey. So yeah, Dylan said hello. Hi, Dylan. He's so fantastic, isn't he? He's oh, so he was fun. great. Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah. Yeah, obviously, we went way long. And <laughs> I had to ask him about the whole why there's no like Texas chapter. I was kind of blown away. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I've never understood. I'm from North Carolina. and I don't understand why they don't have one in that part of the South either. It seems like an untapped market. Oh, yeah. I bet there's all sorts of stuff to, to talk yeah, about out so there. so much weird stuff. Yeah. Have, have you ever thought about going back or do you like L.A.? I think L.A. is my adult home. I'd love to be, you know, like by coastal one day and have a beach house and then a house out here. But. <laughs> oh, we'll be at Hilton Head for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure that'll happen. So, so um... I just was telling Dylan, too, this is just, it's the craziest thing. So Matt and I both work in radio. Um, right. Well, he actually just left to come work for this PR firm, but we worked together for a long time. So I know Debbie Sullivan from Discovery, and she had mm-hmm. hit me up about the Hotel Cecil, which is something that we had talked about during the whole uh, Lisa Lamb thing. Mm-hmm. And obviously, mm-hmm. we were both fans of American Horror Story. I mean, I could watch that show up until a point, and then I quit. That's what happens with me every season except the first <laughs> one. I stopped during the middle of every one. And then it just tripped me out when she was like, oh, but, the, you know, because I was like, I want the historian. I don't want the producer for the show. I want somebody who could talk right. about it. And she was like, well, Hadley said that she'd be glad. And then you have an Atlas Obscura email while simultaneously <laughs> I'm discussing trying to book Dylan f- with Workman over the new book. So what do you do with Atlas Obscura? Is that like your thing? Like you run the LA chapter or? No, actually I don't run the LA chapter. That's a great girl named Erin Johnson who runs it. I write for the website and then I also lead historical tours around Los Angeles, oh. usually based on articles I've written about LA. How did you get wrapped up in that? I, you know, I've been writing for a bunch of different uh, magazines and websites for a few years, and this great field agent for Atlas Obscura called um, Robert Hernandez liked my articles and hit me up and said, we think you'd be great as a field agent. So I just started leading tours, and then I started writing for them. It was just it came. It was just a really cool thing that came as a result of um, some of my stories. Were Were you always interested in in history and? and- Oh, yeah. yeah. I was always super interested in, like, folklore and ghostly tales. You know, like I said, I'm from North Carolina, and there's so many tales of the Outer Banks and the, you know, Blackbeard and all the ghosts that supposedly haunt. 
the graveyard of the Atlantic. So I was kind of raised on legends and stuff, and I've always been really fascinated by them. Let's talk about the Cecil. Okay. And I mean, I guess my first question is, have you spent the night at the Cecil Hotel? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so crazy. so you actually well, we were discussing with Dylan. He was saying he's not superstitious at all about the stuff, like the things that right. creep him out are the bugs uh, in places, not the not the story. When did you? How long have you been in LA? I've been in LA. Oh God, two thousand four. So like thirteen years, I think. Okay, this fall, thirteen years. And you're just described as I love your writer adventurer you, and, your, and your picture on your blog and your blog is so super cool i think that's like oh thank you no i mean it's amazing and the stuff that you've done for all kinds of places is incredible when did you first find out about the cecil no that's i used to write this series um online called lost landmarks for kct which is a, a public station and website out here and it was just somewhere you always kind of heard about as one of the creepier places of Los Angeles. And for Lost Landmarks, I used to go around to places, you know, that were faded, uh, physical, physical spots you could still go to and see a bit of the past. So I started researching the Hotel Cecil because I'd vaguely heard, you know, some snippets here and there. And then the Alyssa Lamb thing happened and it just exploded. And it became such a hot topic. And I started doing a lot of research, digging through a lot of um, archival LA Times articles. And I was just freaking astounded by the amount of suicide and shady things that I found had happened there. So why? And like, I'm not exaggerating. No. I was truly, I've never found that many things of like suicide, attempted suicide, suicide, suicide. I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, why don't you tell everyone about the Cecil, and then and then we'll start getting into some more of the creepier sure. insights of it. So the Cecil was built in the late 1920s in downtown LA when LA was really having a boom time, where they were kind of transferring from a Wild West town with aspirations to be a metropolis and actually becoming a metropolis. And so it was built in what was then kind of the heart of the business district of downtown. And it was supposed to be a hotel for like middle class, upper class people, nothing elaborate, like say the Biltmore that was also built during that time period, but like a good solid hotel. And what happened, you know, shortly after is the crash and then the depression. And just the whole area around the Cecil and its Cecil itself kind of sank into being what was basically a transient hotel. So it was a hotel that lots of lost, restless people went to and stayed at for cheap. And, you know, L.A. is kind of just the place of lost people. Nobody's from L.A. People come here to start over and a lot of times don't find what they're looking for. And during the 30s and 40s, there was just this uptick constantly of people particularly jumping out of windows, lots of suicides by people jumping out of windows, a couple of people poisoning themselves. A, there was a woman who was found drowned in the ocean who lived there. There was a man who had shot himself in a park who lived there. It was just kind of a place, it seems like, where people went as their last resort right before they were done. 
I don't think there was any like hope or dream much left when you were at the Cecil. And it also became a big place for, you know, prostitutes and having assignations and all that jazz. Actually, really interesting, which I feel like people talk about a lot, is in the early 40s, the first AA meetings in Los Angeles to start at the Cecil. And they actually just stopped this year. So there was like an ongoing AA meeting at the Cecil for like however many decades that is. Bizarre. And things just got worse and worse in the 50s and 60s. And then, you know, by the 80s, Skid Row was really bad. And that's when Richard Ramirez, the night stalker, stayed there. And then in the 90s, emulating Richard Ramirez, Jack, Jack Untwinger, like the creepiest person of all time, the Austrian serial killer slash journalist stayed there. And, you know, then the Alyssa Lamb thing happened, and now they're supposedly totally redoing it, and they're going to make it, you know, a, a luxury hotel again, and we'll see if that happens. I don't, I don't know if you can erase all that evil from there. No. What were your first thoughts when you saw the Elisa Lamb video? My first thoughts when I saw the Elisa Lamb video were that she looks like she's speaking with somebody. She looks like she's scared of somebody, but also a little curious about what they have to say. And I just so wanted to see what was on the other side of that, you know, videotape. Like what was down the hall that she thought she saw. It's, Even though if I really think about it logically, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I think she was probably having a psychotic break. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, I guess that's maybe the more reasonable thing. I know that they claim to have not found any drugs in her system, but th- those are those are some of the things that you start to think of. If it's not um, mm-hmm. if it's not something otherworldly, then, yeah, perhaps a, a mental disorder or, or drugs or, or something of the sort. But I remember first seeing that video, and I just got chills watching it because it's so mm-hmm. bizarre and so creepy. And then when you hear how that story ended – it doesn't answer any question. It just raises more and more None. questions about what happened to her. I think something, I mean, I think something shady absolutely happened. I don't think there's any way she could have gotten that water tank by herself. I don't think there's any way she could have closed the lid. And I've heard rumors, which I didn't say on the ID show because, you know, I don't want to call anyone out. But I've heard a lot of rumors that the LAPD knows what really happened. Really? And are just, yeah and just don't want people to know or don't have enough evidence to charge somebody. But what you got to understand is when when it was the stay on Maine, which is what it was when Lamb was staying there, it was partially this, like, budget hotel that European and Canadian travelers were suckered into staying because they were told, look, it's cheap and cute, and it's right near downtown. But it was also still partially low-income slum housing. So there were people going in and out of the hotel portion, and nothing was very secured. So there were a lot of people with major mental illness and major drug problems who still probably had pretty easy access to the part that Lamb would have been staying in. So I think it could have been very easy for somebody to come from the other side that wasn't part of the hotel and do something to her. And I'll play the conspiracy theory angle because I've heard mm-hmm. of, the weirdest thing that I heard about the whole Lisa Lamb thing was the thing about the the virus. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, Matt? right. Yeah, yeah. I remember that interview. And so now I'm wondering, no. there was a story that ran like 
right around then in the Los Angeles Times about how there was a study for... It was a tuberculosis yeah. test. And the spelling, it was called the lamb. Right. It was... Uh, I've, no, hold on a second. We're about to freak this girl out, dude. <clears throat> yeah, because <laughs> I've, I've got it here. Yeah, it was a it was a a test for tuberculosis called the LAM, like L A M dash E L I S A. Okay. Uh, so oh, the LAM okay. Elisa test, and it was, uh, and then, so yeah, there was there had been a, a story about that test being um, being administered in the in the months prior, I think, to her. Dude, I don't think it was even the months prior. Like you made it sound like it was right then. It's the creepy, that, like, honestly, it's the kind of stuff that you would have to, like, that's something. What, that, and, like, she was a test subject? No, they never even make that kind of, um, they never even Me? make that kind of connection. What was weird about the way that it was presented was that this happened, and people who were, you know, it kind of blew up on the internet, and the right. whole Reddit community, and people started scouring the newspapers for um, updates or whatever. And uh-huh. and someone stumbled across this just completely unrelated story in the LA Times about a tuberculosis drug or test. Was it a test? Well, okay, here's what had happened. that there, were, there had been an outbreak of tuberculosis in LA's Skid Row. And then they made the uh-huh. connection that the test that they were using to determine if someone had TB was the Lamb Elisa. Like that was literally test. what it was called. Right, exactly. And and of course the Hotel Cecil, like you said, that is or the Cecil Hotel, that is Skid Row. That like, mm-hmm. that can never have been more of a perfect example of it. So the idea that there was this random story in the LA Times about how they were using testing people for tuberculosis using the lamb eliza test right i mean that's, no? it's, it's such a weird yeah it's such a weird coincidence i guess if you want to call it that i don't know There's i don't no know such thing as coincidence. i don't know what i, I mean, don't know what I, you would call it i i mean you know it's kind of i don't know what y'all guys are beliefs are but like it's like the bible code how you can come up with anything you want to if you look hard enough yeah. Not trying to be like a naysayer. No, no, no. And and I'm <laughs> the reason that I'm asking you is because it sounds so unbelievable that it sounds like it would be naysaying. But come no, on, that's, no, that's crazy. That's crazy, creepy. But honestly, I mean, I think whatever really happened to her is probably crazy, unfathomable, creepy. Yeah. Like I. I, I think whatever the truth is is probably not far off of something that from, that would like terrify us if we knew what had happened to her. Right, which might be why the LAPD doesn't want us to know. Right, and the, the finding of the body in the water, but the mm-hmm. fact that she was uh, face up, not face Naked. down. Yeah, without her clothes on, mm-hmm. and that uh, they had to cut her out. Oh, God, I know. That you couldn't, like, she couldn't... It was sealed from the outside. And she couldn't just fit in there. Right. And there was no, no. ladder pushed up to it. And an alarm no. would have gone off at the top of the hotel. Yeah. And how would she have ever known where it was or even what it was at the middle of the night? I mean, I wouldn't even know what I was looking at if I was on the roof. Or even 
conceived of how to get in there. It's just all super odd. And I was surprised that um, even on the ID show, they really didn't even want to speculate much about what had happened. It seemed like they had really been told to just say, the you know, the family satisfied with what happened. We're satisfied with what happened. It's all good. How could you be satisfied with what happened if you were her family? And she's from like I have an no, affluent. I, mean, I wouldn't be. You know, they're, they're, she's from a, an affluent family. They're, yeah. No, it's horrifying. It's so bizarre. And then, you know, they also say that for a long time there was talk that she had been bipolar and had all these mental problems, but then it turns out that was greatly exaggerated too. And like who put that misinformation out there? It's just a lot of really strange questions, and I don't think we'll ever probably know the answers unless somebody, you know, unless there was a person in the hallway and they're still alive and they decide they want to tell what happened. I just remembered the one other, like, super weird thing about this is the, have you heard the thing about the movie Dark Water? No. Oh, right. That uh, so in two thousand and five, there was a Japanese film called Dark Water, right? Uh, where there's an elevator and it centers around the death of an Asian girl who drowned in a water cistern on top of an apartment building. Oh, weird! <laughs> Do you think she was trying to live that out, or that somebody was Dude, decided to reenact it with her? I'm not. Unbeknownst to her, I've a I'm I'm a I'm a, as people around here know I'm a massive fish fan and I've seen people in all <laughs> states of psychotic um, situations induced by drugs right. and um, they're usually really humorous in nature and I didn't initially think that looking at her this is just me I didn't initially think that her reactions that were happening in the elevator uh-huh. seemed like they were drug-induced there was a a story recently where a girl was found in a freezer and i can't remember what city state that was in at a hotel and there's a video Mm -hmm. footage of her kind of like stumbling around and she was found in a kitchen like in the freezer she died in the freezer and there was like a big party there but there were like 30 people in this hotel room that were you know that were not supposed to be there and it was they were partying and uh but there's video footage of her and her mom is like you know we want to see the rest of the video that can't be the only video and you can tell that this girl is messed up like somebody right. gave her some cosby pills or something you know like she looks like she's stumbling and struggling and the lamb thing what really tripped me out about it was that she looked like she was hiding from something. Right. Like mm-hmm. she was afraid of something. Right. Like she was running from something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. It totally looks like she's like r- hiding and peeking to see if the whatever it is is still there. And I mean, God knows if you believe in ghosts, like there are a million ghosts. If there are ghosts, there are ghosts of the people. Right. I mean, there there are, I know that there have been photos and things like that. So there are ghostly haunted legends attached to the the Cecil. Well, shit, man, the suicides alone, sure. you know, I yeah. mean. The suicides alone, I mean. And two serial are, killers. And they're like violent. Yeah. Suicides. Yeah. And that uh, Goldie Osgood who was murdered there in 1964. I mean, a lot of 
you know, if you want to even believe in the basics of like just bad energy, right? The place is chock full of bad energy. I, so, I, I believe know, in all of that. Prey on people <laughs> who have have you know are kind of weak or empaths or something. I wouldn't be surprised by that. There's no question. I mean, like you said, you wouldn't stay there. Hell, I wouldn't stay there if you paid me fifty thousand dollars, <laughs> and that's the truth. That's crazy. I don't need that in my life. Like I don't need. I've been in there during the day, and it, I felt creeped out enough. What oh. is it like in there during the during the day? Oh, well, I was there when it was still like the stay on main type um, European hostel, so it was just it was like a. It was like an old city hotel that they had kind of half-assed tried to make look like mod and trendy. Mm-hmm. Hip, cheap facades over like peeling stucco. And it was just very dark in there. And there was a cafe in there that wasn't open. And then there were a few Eastern European students with their rolly bags sitting at like big outdated computers. And it just felt like dark and it smelled weird. And it was just not a happy... It felt better, if this is possible, it felt better outside on Skid Row. The sun was shining. <laughs> I'm curious, uh, as as an historical writer, I'm curious what you think should happen with places like this. Because obviously this hotel, um, I mean, re- regardless of its dark history, it has, an, it has a fascinating history. It's from a time... Mm-hmm of the city that, um, you know, probably should be preserved in some way, especially a city as young as L.A., where, you know, you don't have a whole lot of things that are that old. Um, mm-hmm. So I- I'm, I'm curious, do you think, uh, you know, this is your personal opinion here, but do you think places like that should be preserved and, and taken care of, or do you think uh, a place like the Cecil, which has just had so much misery attached to it, is seemingly no one interested in doing anything uh, worthwhile with it, should, should, should it just go? You know, I'm I'm kind of an oddity in terms of historians. I love historic buildings. I love historic places. I think it's great when a community can afford to keep them up. I think it's great when we decide to preserve things, but I'm not an obsessive about it. I think sometimes places need to be torn down. I think sometimes it just happens. I'm also one of those people like, I love reading other people's letters, but I want all my shit burned when I die. <laughs> right. Like, I don't want any trace of anything I said or thought besides my writings that I, you know, write for the public. So I I don't have a very strong feeling either way. I mean, I think it would be great even if evil feeling places like the Cecil are kept up, but if not, and, you know, a nice, building maybe that helps all the homeless people in Skid Row was built in its place, I wouldn't cry too many tears over the Cecil. And anyway, the ground would still be all haunted and fucked up, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> That's the thing. That's I, I, I was just um, at a, uh, a, a very famous place in a trendy part of Dallas that uh-huh. is always listed as one of the most haunted places in town, and I never got it because it's a burger joint but uh <laughs> the, the area around there like i had definitely the apartment complexes and stuff were all from the 20s and they always looked really old and there were always college students staying there and stuff and uh and and they tore one of these like iconic uh greenville avenue apartment complexes down to put up these fancy condos 
And uh-huh. I always got gas right there across the street from it. And I just like offhandedly told those dudes right there. I was like, they can make that place as nice as they want, but it's still going to be haunted as a joke. And um, right. <laughs> the night before Halloween, when I was over there at Snuffers and having that conversation with that guy that was the bartender there, um, his wife just chirped up like, oh, have you seen the picture of the, the, the girl in the apartment complex? And I was like, no. And she told me that after they had condemned it and moved everyone out and you can see the tape and everything that there's like clearly a girl like up in the window. I'm like, she ain't going nowhere, man. You can try to make it as trendy as you want. That just as I was just talking about that hotel Lawrence, which is now, which was always listed as one of the most haunted places in Dallas. And now it's a boutique La Quinta and I don't care how boutique you want to make it. That 10th floor, people still are jumping out of windows on that 10th floor. There's got to still be creepy stuff associated with it. And since we've mentioned it a few times, and I, I wanted to, I told Debbie that I wanted to do this. So before I forget, the show of which you keep referencing is the uh, the Haunting at the Hotel Cecil. It, I think it's, oh, the show that was just on about the Hotel Cecil is called Four at the Hotel Cecil. And it's on, I think it's probably on, um, investigates in discovery go channel now so you can watch some of it online yeah so she told me that um it's uh their tv everywhere platform it's id go and Mm -hmm. um so it's nice to make a little plug for that there and you have all different kinds of ways that you can view it there's even a streaming option for folks uh on the go that have a cable subscription so like a lot of other awesome channels you can hook it up and check that out. And that was part of a, a really spooky little troika of shows that ID Discovery ran. And so we really appreciate them for that. And it's really amazing. And you're amazing in it. And like I said, I wanted to get the historian that was down for it. Oh. But awesome. I'm way more interested in knowing about your haunted neighborhood. <laughs> The what do you call it? The Los Feliz. Yeah, well, it's lo, it's like technically Los Feliz, but every we all call it Los Feliz. Los Feliz. It's been Americanized, yeah. Okay. Sadly. So where is so, Los Feliz? Los Feliz is to the east of the Hollywood sign. It's right next to Hollywood, and it's a really lovely LA neighborhood. There's a lot of like beautiful 1920s Spanish revival houses, and we have a great downtown. Have you ever seen the movie Swingers? Mm-hmm. Oh, of course. Yeah, okay. Well, the Dresden, where the people Marty and Elaine are singing, that's in Los Feliz. It's legendary, and, the Dresden. Yes, I sing there a lot. They're the you, best. Who sings and, there? You sing there? I do. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you an original artist or do you karaoke? Um, I sing with Marty and Elaine, who are the the couple and swingers. I'm like a, I'm an amateur jazz singer. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's, yeah, it's like my favorite, do, my favorite hobby. Okay, so you postmodern jukebox it then? Do you ever do any like re remixes of old pop tunes? You know where you're like. Oh you know? no no no! Only standards for me. I. Okay, well, I already know what the outro music is going to be. You're going to have <laughs> Can I find can I find some of that online or are there any sort of recordings you're going to have to send me an email? Well, I don't know if I'll send you recordings of myself, but there's definitely a lot of Marty in the Oh, oh, you got to be included. You got to be included. <laughs> 
so yeah, so so the Dresden is right there. The but, Dresden's right there. The Griffith Park Observatory is right there. It's just a really cool, chill Los Angeles neighborhood. And what a lot of people don't realize about it is it's like been cursed from its inception, basically. So what what's really interesting about Los Angeles and California as a whole is that during the Spanish conquest of California, it um, was parceled out into things called, they were ranches, but they were called ranchos. Right. And so they were given to people who had like done great service to the Spanish crown. Is it like that in Texas? No. No, 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 no. We don't, no. But, I, but obviously Rancho Bernardo is one just off the right. top of my so head. So there were yeah. all these ranchos. And there was um, a parcel of land given outside of the Pueblo of Los Angeles, which is where downtown L.A. is now. And it's where that was the start of Los Angeles in the late 18th century. And a big parcel of land outside the Pueblo was given to a man whose last name was Los Feliz, who had done great service for the Spanish crown. So he was given this giant rancho, and it prospered. And then around, there was a family murder, and then around the 1860s, the land, this had now become America, right? So we're in America, but the ranchers, some of the ranchers still existed, and lots of the families still owned the rancho land. And the heir to the rancho, who was a Los Feliz, lay dying, and he had um, tuberculosis, and his heiress was this girl named Petronilla, who was his niece. And Petronilla was sent away to the Pueblo of Los Angeles so that she wouldn't get the thing that was killing her uncle. And so she was sent away, and then as her uncle is on his deathbed, a man named Antonio Coronel, who was a local big shot in L.A., and a lawyer named Don Inesante, came... (laughs) And convinced the dying man to not give Los Feliz to Petronilla, but to give it to them. This is all, this is all allegedly, it's all bullshit, but it's a wonderful story. <laughs> so she comes, her, her, her uncle dies, Petronilla's uncle, and who's also Antonio, Los Feliz dies. She comes back to the rancho and discovers that her inheritance has been stolen by this Cornell guy. So she absolutely flips her shit and curses all of the land and all of the people who stole the land from her. And it's said that ever since then, Los Feliz and a good chunk of Los Feliz is now Griffith Park, which is the largest city park in America by land, that it is now cursed by Petronilla's curse. So you see that even though this is like a really beautiful, nice, middle-class hipster neighborhood. There have been a lot of terrible murders here over the years, a lot of bad luck, and a lot of people trace this back to Petronilla's curse of the land. So when you say it's bullshit, do you mean the, the, the swindle didn't go down the way that it's that legend has foretold? or um, has, I mean, have it's bullshit just... like it was all made up by this guy named Horace Bell, <laughs> who was like a famous fabulous of Victorian Los Angeles who hated uh, a man named Griffith J. Griffith, who 
bought the land in the 1870s or 80s. He bought all of what had been Rancho Los Feliz. And then he gave it to the city as a city park, Ken Griffith Park. And he was kind of despised and a blowhard. And he shot his wife in the face. He was a realtor. And Horace Bell hated him. So a lot of people think that one of the reasons Horace Bell told all these terrible stories about Los Feliz and Griffith Park was kind of to sully Griffith J. Griffith's name. Right, like a big middle he, finger to him. Yeah, exactly. Like he, the, Griffith J. Griffith is from Wales, so Horace Bell called him the Prince of Wales. Like there was just a lot of cattiness <laughs> going on. But it's such fun cat, and I, w- I hope the curse is true. Like, and it said that Petronilla haunts Griffith, said Petronilla haunts Griffith Park, and that you can see her in the window of the one remaining adobe of the Los Feliz family, like, staring out on stormy nights, and that her face is in a rock, and that when there was a big flood in the 1880s, she rode on the waves, laughing at the misfortune of the land. Like, it's just such great, like, old, old, like, gothic stories for such a new place. That's exactly what I was going to say. It sounds like it's something directly out of a gothic horror novel just from the other side of the world. Yeah, and but that's what's so cool, I think, about... And I think about Texas, I think about Wild West history in general, is that there is this kind of gothic, almost Poe-like romanticism to a lot of, especially the old Spanish and Mexican stories. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm reminded of a, of a quote from one of my favorite movies of all time, The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, which goes, this is the West when the legend becomes fact, print the legend. And, yeah. I, I, you know, I'm sure like you, you, you're in this weird space as a historical journalist where you're, you're faced with what probably happened and then you're faced right. with what gets told as and and what gets told is far far more interesting than what than you know probably oh, a, a, probably a guy who was just mad at another dude and just made up a bunch of lies about him right oh always and i think that that's i've always loved legend so much for that very reason cuz i think it tells us so much about you know if you look i always say if you look at a, a biography of say queen elizabeth the 1st and you look at a biography written of her when she was in her time period. If you look at one written in Victorian era, if you look at one written in the 50s, if you look at one written today, they will all be totally different tellings of the basic facts of her life. Because whoever the historian is at the time is putting their views on race, sex, society, religion onto the story of that person. Totally. And I think legends and ghost stories are a real kind of bold face ripped of any pretense version of that yeah and they also revolve around a lot of times you know just the basic um morals and codes that Mm -hmm. people should hold you know and that how if you wrong someone you know be careful about what you do and 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 there's all these usually supercharged emotions tied to that, you mm-hmm. know, love and war and race and ethnicity, the way that people just uh, cultivating a land. Um, I, I'm, I totally agree. I, I, despite what our president says, he, I don't think he came up with the term fake news. And um, you know, fake news has always been, <laughs> always been around. Always. 
You guys have heard us talk about New Amsterdam, and that's K-N-E-W Amsterdam.com. One of the things that New Amsterdam does, it's built around the idea, making something for creative people, creative types. Their flagship product is called the Notebook One. It's a thick cover journal that's easily secured by a reinforced elastic band. It's sleek, pleasing to the eye, and cost-effective alternative to similar products. And New Amsterdam put these together to kind of help people who are creative types. You just need to check out their website. It's newamsterdam.com, K-N-E-W, Amsterdam.com. It's built around the idea of the creation of a city. Like New Amsterdam was actually what New York was called early on. And it's almost to try to enforce a community aspect of things and the guy who's running the thing i love this about him Mm -hmm. goes by the name the mayor they have packages where you get like a couple of pens like a cell phone or a notebook holder the logo is really cool and the thing is is it's really cost effective you would look at some of their stuff and think that it would be really expensive i mean i've been in the store i've looked at nice notebooks and they can run twenty dollars if you use the promotional code new day K-N-E-W-D-A-Y. You get free shipping off your first order. It seems like such a simple thing, having a journal. But if you've never had that book that is your own, if you've never gone out and gotten one and then cracked it open and gone through the process of writing down something, whether you keep a dream journal, whether you write a diary of some sort, whether you have just your odds and end thoughts that come to you throughout the day and you think, I want to follow up on that later. And if you've never gone through that, for the prices that they were selling them for, I mean, you can you can get you a nice journal and it really does add an aspect to your life that you may not have had before. Right. And we're at that time of the year where these make cool gifts. Yeah. Especially to that someone who may be special to you. This would be a cool thing because you're giving them the blank page mm-hmm. and like then it's up to them what to do with it. But there's a quote from the mayor that I really dig. And um, he was asked about just like the idea of basing your company around a notebook. And it's notebook one, which I love. Like, Mm -hmm. it's your number one notebook, right? He said there's really something fascinating about actually putting something down on the page. A fleeting thought becomes real. And that thought is on its way to becoming something great. And I dig that so much. Yeah. And they also have something else really cool there that's like a cigarette holder, but you could also put like business cards in it or left-handed cigarettes that's really sharp. I often tell people how awesome the people are that listen to this podcast and how like loyal they are and stuff to us. It's a way for you guys to support us. So support this podcast, support New Amsterdam, become a citizen, support the mayor. Go check them out. Swing by their page and just say, hey, I heard about you on OK Talk. Mm -hmm. That would be massive if you went by their Facebook page and told them, I heard about you on OK Talk. I really dig it. This is a company with some thought behind it. And whatever that thought is, I dig it. And I dig their products. Matt and I both do. So please go by, check them out. Thank you so much to New Amsterdam. And thank you so much, citizens of the OK Talk universe.
Mr. Emmons, this is a this is a very I gotta take a sh Would you excuse me? Hey, you don't mind if I'm directing to the point, do you? Not at all. It don't take me to tell you that you're about ten pounds overweight, does it? Thanks. <laughs> but I can be honest with you, Ken. I'm nobody. I'm a tramp, a bum, a hobo. I'm a boxcar and a jug of wine. And a straight razor if you get too close to me. What's the connection with... Um, don't think of me strange, but I've... And this has just popped up weirdly recently for me, but I'm starting to become like a really like big Charlie Manson nerd. Uh-huh. Um, and it mainly is because I just didn't... I really get a kick out of watching him act crazy and spooking people <laughs> who have interviewed him and stuff. What's the Manson connection with Los Feliz? Well, the Manson, fact, uh, the Manson connection with Los Feliz is that the less famous murders the Manson family did took place in Los Feliz. Um, the night after the Sharon Tate killings, uh, Manson from Spawn Ranch sent out some of his followers to go to Los Feliz, go to a rich person's house, and to kill some more rich piggies to start Helter Skelter, the race for. Right. And he actually came with them, but he didn't do any of the actual killing, of course, because he's crazy like a fox. He's mm-hmm. not, I mean, he's a smart guy in a lot of ways. I didn't kill and those they- people. I didn't do anything, man. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, he's he's fascinating. I actually on Halloween this year there was a kid dressed like Manson, like standing in Los Feliz, staring at cars as they went by, and it fucking terrified me. Oh, really? Because he looked so much like him. That's intense. That's a great bit. Yeah, it was super intense. I wanted to be like, kid, don't do that, because like Manson <laughs> probably stood right there staring at people like fifty years ago. It's probably going to give somebody flashbacks, but <laughs> literally, it was, it literally, yeah, like acid. <laughs> um, so they went to the La Bianca house, which is still here. It's this beautiful, you know, another Spanish colonial revival mansion in Los Feliz, and they killed uh, the La Bianca family, which is just uh, Rosemary and her husband Leo, I believe was his name. Is that his name? And, um, you know, what was his name? Rosemary and... Oh, are you talking about the La Biancas? Yeah, I'm talking about the La Biancas. Lino? Lino, yeah, okay. So they killed um, Rosemary and Lino La Bianca in their home in Los Feliz. And, you know, they stabbed them multiple times. It was really horrid, you know. And then they carved pig in uh to the husband's body which matched the pig they had written on the wall in Sharon's Tate blood the night before on Cielo Drive. So, you know, again when that happened, people again kind of brought up this curse of Los Feliz, you know, it's just the continuing horror. And the house is still there today. Uh a family, another family has owned it for forever and you you know, it looks like a beautiful lovely Los Feliz Mansion worth a ton of money. There's a uh, one of those creepy paranormal witness shows about that specific house, mm-hmm. uh, which really drew me in. And then Leslie Van Houten, of course, has been in the news recently. Right. 
she uh, is either up for parole or she was, she ju- she's up for parole. And she okay, here's the thing: she, she just denied again. She, yeah, and they just did a big article with her that right. uh, People Magazine had, which is crazy because it talks about her being like 14 years old and her parents giving hippies a bad name you know released her to the world and they were at the manson commune and she talks like specifically about how he how like mesmerizing he was and of course she famously during the manson trials said the uh when, when was asked if she still loved him she looked at him and said, I guess you do. I, I mean, I guess I do. And Manson, like, started clowning on her. And the whole mm-hmm. courtroom started laughing. Oh, which God. Which is just a dickish move from... <laughs> well, he's know. a dick. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, he hates women. It's... There's no doubt about that. Well, I mean, yeah, listen. And Spawn Ranch, which is near L.A. outside of Chatsworth, where they lived when they were doing murders, is literally the scariest place i've ever trespassed on in a life really? i mean what this oh is the God. spawn like, the spawn ranch is that what you said it was called the spawn ranch and it was this old like shit kicker western movie ranch um in in la county by this place called chatsworth and it was old by this old man who had who had uh for years supplied like saddle and uh, cattle to motion pictures. His name was George Spawn. And the he let the Manson clan live on Spawn Ranch in exchange for company. He was almost blind. He was 80. And because if you heard of Squeaky Frome, she's a famous Manson girl. Right. Mm-hmm. She's the one who shot for Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And I'm yeah. actually, yeah, I'm actually, you were so famous. I just type in Spawn Ranch and your article for Curved comes up. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it is really she was, awesome. She she was like his like she was his fake wife. She like was his basically his kept girl. That was also part of the bargain for all of them being able to stay there for free. She had sex with him and cooked for him and all that jazz. So they just lived like you know, dirty, hippie, drugged-out vagabond wood at this old, busted-up movie set of a Western town. And they kind of had the run of the place. And now the Western town all burned down, actually, when the Manson trials were happening. But there's still this cave on the property that there's a very iconic picture of the Manson family posing in this cave at Spawn Ranch. And today, if you know how to go, you can still find the cave. And somebody, there's a rock that somebody's carved into, and it says the Manson family. And my friend and I went one day, and it, you know, and I'm very much like Dylan. I'm, I don't, I probably believe in ghosts and spirits more than Dylan because I want to hedge my bets. I don't want to piss any ghost off. Right. But it was the, just in case, but it was the creepiest feeling I've ever had. And like in the woods, kids had like done an X in the woods with rocks, like the X he carved into his forehead. Uh I mean, it is a really eerie feeling place. Plus there's always a fear you're going to get shot because it's private property and they hate you to be there. 
That's that but, also adds to the ambience, as it were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you, um so you're telling me then when we come out there you can take us to see this rock. I'm looking at the picture that you took of it. Yes. I could take you to see it. Yeah, you, we just have to be careful. I'm all for that. Cuz I can't get I can't get arrested. It would ruin my career. Try <laughs> <laughs> really hard not to get arrested. <laughs> So, um, what are you, what are you working on now? Anything in particular or do you do, you are so like, you have so many different stories and you were pumping them out around mm -hmm. Halloween. Do you get focused on one particular topic and say, Hey, this week I'm going to go out to this ranch and I'm going to craft an article for curb. Do you have like a contract with them where you, or do you just freelance and write? I have I have deals with like several different publications right. where I know like I write two articles for you a month. I write one for you a month. And so I know what each of them kind of like. And sometimes my editors pitch me, but yeah, lots of times I just, I like exploring. I like driving around without directions and I just find historical markers or I, you know, you're, I'm reading a book about history. I like to find, you know, the person who's mentioned only in a few paragraphs in a history often there's a crazy awesome story about that person that no one's ever bothered to look into mm -hmm. right they they yeah. wronged someone somewhere or did something that they would only right. slightly be mentioned right exactly so those are the stories that i really like to look for and there's just a wealth of you know la is a funny shady people there's just a wealth of creepy stories especially, going around. Especially now, man. What's the vibe out there right now with what's going on in the news around Hollywood? Uh, what is the vibe in L.A. right now? I don't know. I mean, isn't the whole country on edge? <laughs> Slightly. Yeah, a little bit, Slightly. you think, might say. I think everyone's uh, I just would terrified. Think... The heat... The heat in Los Angeles is getting worse and worse, and I think that that makes everyone crazy. And there's a real homeless crisis in the city, so if there, you see a lot of things you didn't used to see, even since I've moved out here. Yeah. And you know, there's a whole legend in LA about the Santa Ana winds, which are the dry winds which sweep through LA. And uh, Raymond Chandler talks about them a lot. How mm -hmm. these dry, hot winds sweep through LA, everybody kind of goes crazy. If they give you and, the nosebleeds, isn't that a... Yeah, they can give you... Oh, I'm, I'm always like... I sound like this anyway. I've always... My voice has always sounded like this, but it, I'm hoarse all the time in LA because there's just no humidity. There's no, you know... It's all so dry. And with the fire. And I say that everything has felt kind of Santa Ana crazy for the last, I don't know, year. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Almost exactly. So, um, if if one of us were to visit, or one of our lovely listeners were to visit out in LA, I mean, we've talked about the Cecil, we've talked about Los Feliz, we've talked about the Spawn Ranch. Are there any other places in LA that you think um, someone who's interested in the in the dark side of history might want to want to see a particular favorite story that you have? Oh God, yeah. There's let's see. Well, one of my favorite murder stories is this place called Greystone Mansion. And it's in Beverly Hills, and it looks like out of Wuthering Heights. Oh, gosh. It's like a beautiful gray stone mansion 
um, with like rolling green hills. And it was the home of the heir to the Doheny family. And the Doheny family was a huge early oil gas family in Los Angeles. And, uh, the son Doheny uh, famously was killed by his valet, maybe lover, at Greystone Mansion. And then it was totally covered up by the LAPD and by the local newspapers. Like, completely. There's all these articles about it for like two days. This is in the 1920s. And then it's gone. It's like it never happened. And no one to this day is sure exactly who killed who or what the killing was about. But um, Greystone is now a public park, and it, you just feel like you're in a haunted England country manor. It's so cool. That's really rare. Yeah, it's really awesome and bizarre. And, I mean, it's an old standby, but the Queen Mary in Long Beach is super creepy. So I have a question. What about mm-hmm. um, what about uh, any, any of the, uh, like the Jim Morrison stuff? I don't know any Jim Morrison stuff. None of the, like, um, the Whiskey Go-Go or... Oh, I'm sure the, I'm sure they're all haunted with tons of rock and roll ghosts. <laughs> right. You did have a really interesting article where it was that, you know, the, the dead rock and rollers were popping up all over the place, but it was about statues, right? Oh, yeah. And that's a really... If you love rock and roll, the place to go is Hollywood Forever Cemetery which is a giant uh, cemetery in kind of central Hollywood. And it's where all the big, old, silent, and early Hollywood stars like Douglas Fairbanks is buried there, Tyrone Power. And now it's slowly been taken over by, like, the Armenian Mafia and recently departed rock stars. Whoa. And so... um Johnny Ramone's buried there. Dee Dee Ramone's buried there. Chris Cornell was just buried there. And it's become like this mecca for uh, ardent rock fans. And what's really cool about Hollywood Forever, too, if you like creepy stuff, is they do great movie screenings there during the summer at night. Like I just saw, yeah, I just saw Night of the Living Dead there a couple weeks ago. It was amazing. I bet. So you're like in this beautiful cemetery surrounded, you know, it's something creepy about like being surrounded by dead bodies that you know what they looked like in real life because they were all famous. And then like watching a zombie movie, it's pretty rad. And actually when I spoke to Linda Ramone, John Ramone's widow, about why they chose Hollywood Forever, she said that that was part of it, that he loved horror movies and he loved like the idea of being interred with all these other famous you know, people he had idolized and glamorized when he was alive. So now he's one of them. That's incredible. Pretty awesome. That is yeah, incredible. pretty cool. Um, I, <laughs> I could sit here and ask you these questions all night long. Let, let <laughs> me ask you this, though. Um, what, uh, how would someone, we have a lot of people out in California, how would someone get to one of your ghost tours do you do all of that ghost tour stuff through atlas or yeah i don't do ghost tours per se because atlas doesn't technically do ghost tours um but i do a lot of cemetery tours because la has i mean hollywood forever is the case but we have like the coolest cemeteries with the coolest stories and so i do a lot of cemetery tours and 
uh, other tours. I do this really fun tour of something really interesting about Los Angeles because it grew so rapidly. It kind of has a very condensed history that it takes other cities like 300 years to achieve. It achieved in basically 100 years. And so the first four major cemeteries of Los Angeles have all been destroyed. And so I do a really fun walking tour where we go all downtown Los Angeles and talk about each cemetery and how it was destroyed and all the gruesome stories of what happened in the cemeteries and what happened, you know, when they were disinterring the bodies and how they did never really disinter most of the bodies. And so that one's really fun. Oh, my. Because they they still find bones all the time downtown from all these cemeteries that were just kind of paved over in the name of progress. So that that was super fun. And you just go to atlasobscura.com and go to events and go to L.A. events. And if I'm doing an event, it'll say, join field agent Hadley Mears as we blah, blah, blah. So those, so those cemetery tours are through Atlas then? Yes. Yes. And, and then if uh, someone that was maybe a little bit um, more well-to-do wanted to uh, to – hire you personally your your email is available on your blog yes it's available on my website which is hadleymears.com and that's m-e-a-r-e-s right correct what do you know about the lizard people of los angeles (laughs) i knew you were gonna ask did you really so the lizard people of los Angeles is all based on one article from the LA Times in the 30s that basically says this one kooky quote-unquote professor said that there was a lizard, a race of lizard people who lived in what was left of Fort Moore Hill. Now the weird thing about that is Fort Moore Hill is where the first Protestant cemetery of Los Angeles was. And Something really fascinating about L.A. that kind of harkens back to what we were talking about earlier about legends and what they really mean is that there are so many supposed buried treasures in L.A. over the years. And you see almost every old graveyard in Los Angeles, there are ample articles in old newspapers of men by lamplight digging up portions of cemeteries where they always say some old Mexican woman in Sonora Town had been on her deathbed and said, you know, the Spanish before they left buried all this gold, or this cowboy before he was shot uh-huh. buried all this gold here in this cemetery. And you even find it with the, the first Jewish cemetery in L.A. So there were all these buried treasure stories that, of course, never panned out. And... I think that lizard people was probably kind of an extension of all of these buried treasure tales. But you know, like now this isn't because I'm telling you this because I think that this is a real thing, but like um, that goes as far back as like the idea that the Mayans fled into those catacombs. Oh, okay. Interesting. Due to a meteor shower. And that when they first ran through those now, Again, you think like catacombs and then I think, you know, the mine shafts and everything. It's like the whole coast with the gold rush. It's, it's there's no telling, you know, what's underneath the ground yeah. <laughs> and the kinds of things that people did to to put people off of where their gold was or what they dug into. I mean, it could be a very 
besides obviously the plates and everything, it might be part part of the reason why the earth is a little bit unstable there. <laughs> no, it's totally true. And like, you know, LA in like the 1850s was considered the most murderous town in America. So there were a lot of people who had to hide stuff quick and didn't want people to get what they had found. Mm-hmm. So I would have no, I have no doubt. And maybe it is why the damn earth so unstable. I don't know. Well, I think we just figured out why Jim Morrison called himself the Lizard King, though. Oh, yeah. He was the, one of the lizard people of Fort Morehead. The last surviving. He was the king of them. <laughs> yeah. He was the king of them. Uh, one other question, and then we'll let you get out of here. Did you ever see Ghost in the Hood? <laughs> no, what's Ghost in the Hood? Wasn't that the name of it? I think so. Right? I, I believe it. Let me look up and make sure that's look the name up. of it. So there was this show... And now I can't. It ran on Oprah's. I think it ran on Wii Network. Wii TV. Yeah, yeah. Ghosts, ghosts in the Hood. Dude, it is the most out. It's so great. It's it's. it's is it like about ghosts in like Compton and Eaglewood? Y- yeah, 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 exactly. Like uh, they're one of <laughs> one of them is a uh, one of the places that they go to is uh, like a drive-through um, funeral parlor. That literally it was a drive through thing because they held so many gang war funerals there oh. that like the whole front of the place has bulletproof glass uh-huh. and they people wanted to pay their respects right. from both sides. But nobody, even though, you know, when you're doing something like that, you're supposed to have a code. But a lot of those people did not, obviously. And that's right. one of the places that they went. But the cast is fantastic it's like ghost adventures except uh, i don't i mean i honestly if you're just gonna ask me i think somebody was like dude we need to come up with a show called ghosts in the hood and we'll pick these people to play these roles because it's hilarious one of them is a comedian but it is but they they go to a lot of really cool places it's not just all like oh let's go to you know the crypt cemetery i mean they go to some old bars that are spooky and obviously the reactions to the kinds of stuff they get uh-huh. are hilarious it's de- oh yeah it's, it's, no. it, you may you may find a story or two in there that you had not heard no, of that sounds fantastic <laughs> yeah there were some places that i had not heard of some old some old bars that i thought were sounded really cool well and like the what I, the quote unquote like hood of LA has some of like the coolest oldest houses and restaurants and stuff. It's actually like a really fascinating, beautiful, not that scary place. <laughs> yeah, it's not as bad as what yeah. I imagined it to be when I grew up listening about. <laughs> the boys in the hood are always hard. No, mm-hmm. not nearly. No. Mainly just like families, you know, doing the best they can. Right, right. I believe it. I believe it's not San yeah. Andreas all the time. <laughs> Um, no. <laughs> uh, well, Hadley, thank you so much for your time. Oh my gosh, my pleasure. And um, it's been amazing. And again, we're gonna link this all up, cut it all up, get you, um, and and I'll get you push this to you so you can push it out to your people. And awesome. and um, let's stay in touch. You know, like if there's ever anything that you're working on or. Um, you know, we just, we like, uh, building these kind of relationships is, uh, totally. it's good for us and, yeah. and we'll be pushing people to your stuff and, 
Dude, I love, I just could sit here and listen to you tell stories just like you were on a tour at the moment. So. Yeah, we'd love to have you back to hear more L.A. stories. Oh, I'd love to. I love, I love my creepy stories. I'll, whenever you'd like me on. I'm sure there's plenty. For a, talk about. for a city that seems so obsessed with death as L.A., I'm sure there's plenty that uh, that remains to be told. Like we had this whole conversation oh, so and, we, and we didn't talk about like the Black Dahlia. You know, right, yeah. Probably like the most famous thing. Did, have you ever been right. over to the um, the murder house from the first American the, Horror Story? The Soden? Are you talking about the Black Dahlia Soden house? Was that? I don't know if that's... Are you talking about the Soden house? Oh, I was actually talking about... Did, did you ever watch the American Horror Story? No, I can't watch that stuff. I can only read about that stuff. Okay, so like the first... I think they just called it like that season one was actually really good and not that spooky, mm-hmm. like not that like crazy. Right. Right. Like I won't, I can't watch it either, but no, there's a, yeah. I was actually going to just see if there was some sort of a list of where it was. It was just known as the murder house. And I maybe did, the Los Feliz murder house. Oh, wouldn't that be creepy if it was there? Is that what it was? The famous house in Los Feliz where the doctor killed his family and, that's, well, he I think that's probably him. what it was based off of. Yeah, I don't know if that's where it was set, but yeah, it was definitely based off of that that legend. Yeah, and then the the weird people bought it, and it just sat there empty, just like it had been for decades. That's true, <laughs> and it's really strange. They somebody else the murders the murder happened in like '59. Some random couple bought it in 1960. It's this giant mansion in Los Feliz. And they just left it as was until a couple of years ago when the son died and they finally sold it. So bizarre. Yeah. And strangely sold it to um, Lisa Bloom, the lawyer Gloria Allred's daughter. Oh, oh my God. Who was just like representing Harvey Weinstein and then like got her career ruined by that. And now she isn't. Probably not someone you'd want to be associating yourself with. <laughs> no. I'm afraid that dude's going to end up haunting somebody soon. Well, he has uh, been haunting people for years, apparently. Oh, yeah. I've I've heard stuff about him for years. That's what's so bizarre. So, I know. It's so weird. So tell us one more time about how to find all of your stuff. Yeah, all of it, including how to find it. Come watch you sing. Well, watch me sing. I sing usually on Thursday nights at the Dresden After 10. And for all my articles and all my tours and all my on-camera and your podcast, just go to HadleyMears.com and I put links up to all the stuff I'm up to. That's so easy. Yeah. Yep, just aggregate it all in one spot. Well, that's awesome. And I promise you guys, you won't be disappointed. Her articles are great. The stories, and, and we're into this kind of stuff. And I, everything that I clicked, I was learning things and mm-hmm. i know that our people are obviously familiar with the cecil but you have really really strong depth and um I'm really impressed with your work and thank you so much for your time and like i said i'll be sending you this soon fantastic yeah and next time we can talk about all the dismemberment murders that have gone on in la <laughs> can't wait Dude, <laughs> like just that alone, that'll be that'll be great. It could be a whole episode. Like, seriously, it's un it's unreal. 
Uh, all right. Well, okay. Well, we'll have to get you back soon. I then. mean, I'm thinking that we're gonna end up having a regular feature. <laughs> Thursday nights are out, but yeah. Other the other than time, that, I'm gonna have to hit up the Dresden now. I'm, yes, absolutely. I'm not kidding. If there's video out there of you singing, I'm gonna have to look this up. We'll find it. I don't think you'll find anything. Good luck. You'd be surprised. It is the interwebs. Again, thanks so much for your time. It's so nice to meet My you. My pleasure. Nice to meet y'all, too. Have a great night. Thank you. Thanks, Hadley. Hadley, 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 ho. Hadley, 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 hey. Hadley, 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 ho. Listen, girl, I'm not like all these other fellas. <laughs> it's close to midnight. Something evil's lurking in the dark. Mm-hmm. Under the moonlight, you see a sight that almost stops your heart. You try to scream, oh, but terror takes a sound before you make it. Yeah. You start to freeze As horror looks you right between your eyes You're paralyzed Cause this is thriller, thriller night And no one's gonna save you from the beast about to strike You know it's thriller, thriller night You're fighting for your life inside a killer thriller tonight Hey ladies! Slam and realize there's nowhere left to run. Oh, you feel the cold hand and wonder if you'll ever see the sun. You close your eyes and hope that this is just imagination, girl. But all the while, you hear a creature creeping up behind. Oh, you're out of time. This is thriller, thriller night And there ain't no second chance against a thing with 40 eyes This is thriller, thriller night You're fighting for your life inside of killer Thriller tonight, oh Night creatures call and the dead start to dance in their masquerade Escaping the jaws of the alien this time. Open wide, it's the end of your life.
life This is Thriller, oh Thriller tonight Girl, let me hold you tight inside of Thriller Killer Thriller, killer, chiller I fulfill ya, girl, I feel your thriller tonight Let me be your thriller, baby What the hell? Promotional consideration brought to you by New Amsterdam Imagine a world where creatives always have a key to the city New Amsterdam makes high-quality notebooks with creative people in mind. That's K-N-E-W-Amsterdam.com. Use promo code NEWDAY and receive free shipping off your first order. NewAmsterdam.com. Welcome, citizen. This is a very I gotta check this sh- Would you excuse me?